Do this. Uh, get everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode, episode seven of the Hidden City Roller Derby. I'm your host Simkov, and today I am joined by uh, the Matamoto himself, uh, Merlin. How's it going, mate? Doing good. Got another mat to add to my collection. What was the mat? Uh, a you know that that um, Elemental Fury artwork. Yeah, yeah. Fucking nice. Nice. Wonderful. Lovely. Um, and also joined by The Grinder. Hey. How's it going? Good, I'm man. Good. Still grinding? Still grinding. I had to grind through dinner. I'm not even done. <laughs> well, at least you turned up to the podcast on time. <laughs> um, I do what I can. Yeah. So a few of the regulars are still all right, um, but the triumphant return of Toridori will be next week, and he has so much to say. Because a little bit has happened in the last few weeks, um, so today I think we'll cover some some of the cool news that's been going on, um, which you know there's been a little bit, some something to do with new roles that was pretty exciting, uh, and some Gen Con and some bits and pieces. But maybe let's start off with um, you've been playing any Evil Five R lately, Melon? Yeah, um, I think the uh, the the best the best thing the most recent bestest thing that I went to was that dinner the one at the japanese restaurant that was pretty sick yeah man so what was the tournament actually called do we give it a name uh i don't think it had a name it was like one of the traveling ronin it was under the tournaments and um one of the stores like here had a kit that they couldn't really run with like a heap of people they could only see like 10 people at their event so they uh, run the event and you know give the store a bit of sponsorship and you know, it's got a decent. And this restaurant actually, I remember what it's called? It's like Ichi Izakaya or something. And yeah, yeah. they've got like this upstairs section where they they actually host a board game night called uh, Godzilla Gaming or something. Gamezilla, right? And you would go up there and you would pay two dollars and you would use their board game library. So we approached the store and said, like, well, do you want to, you know? could we run like our L5R events here and we'll get like 20 people along and they'd buy drinks and stuff. And they said, yes. Yeah. It was, it was great. Night. It was just sake cards, beer, some other cards. It's only yeah. three rounds, was, unfortunately. Yeah. It was, it was like three rounds. Right. And I got to buy the first round. So I only actually got to play two games and, and you know what else, you know what else, those two games, I had to give away two of my, my Hatamoto pins. My oh, Kinemoto. No. Yeah. I know, right? Easy come, easy go. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> that's nice. I just restock at Worlds, mate. To get you a bit liquored up so that you'd lose your Hatamoto pins. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> it. I, I was feeling very complacent after imbibing, you know, lots of sake and beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a really great night. Wayne, who organizes a lot of our bigger tournaments helped run the thing but but i think merlin you you booked it and and helped organize it a bit too didn't you no not really not pretty really. much Wayne. <laughs> yeah. like all all i did was talk to like the store owner that one time and then wayne pretty much just took over the rest yeah <laughs> he does that <laughs> he's good at that <laughs> yeah that's well we're on tournament i mean interesting comment about the three rounds so scheduled as four and the reason it warned me for three was actually nothing to do with the tournament organization tournament organization was fine it's great mm. it's actually to do with the weird 
tiebreaker rules, right? So we had a few games oh, where yeah. it was like, you know, the immovable object, you know, versus yes. the unstoppable force. You know, we had um, Soul Beyond Re- Reproach and all that sort of like crazy crane rehonoring tech versus, uh, you know, the old bid one defensive dishonor. And those games mm-hmm. just go on and on and on. So there's lots of, there was a, one of the rounds went for like 20, 25 minutes over. Was we just waiting for this mod loss to happen? It's terrible. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's still some improvement yeah, to be done in those rules. But apart from that, it was a fantastic tournament. And uh, and what about you, NZ? It sounds like you haven't had that much time to play L5R. But have you tried out tried out the new crab guys? No, I've I've mostly just been playing Dragon. They just seem busted. Um, but I mean, I'm playing my usual NZ deck, so um, you know, it's like Dragon Dishonor, and I'm trying all the kind of new things. Consumed by Five Fires Dragon, and you know, Jank mostly. Now, now, do you believe in the power of Dragon Dishonor? Is it a legit deck that you would take to a tournament? <laughs> Or, or is it still in the sort of like jokey, jank, shits and giggles I think, face? I think it's getting closer to something I would take in an actual tournament. I think um, with Keeper of Void, I've got a build that I put together last night that splashes Crab for Watch Commander and Reprieve and um, uses Charge as its restricted list and then also as being and becoming. So you've just got lots of ways to keep your Watch Commander dude upright. Yeah. Um and now that they've got Mistu and everything, and like the troll, you know, you're just charging out top tier characters. Keeper Initiate fills a good extra monk slot so you can reliably play hurricane punches and just draw for ace cards. Like it's just a deck full of quality stuff that has a way to pressure a second win condition. And I don't know, I've been playing Phoenix like that a lot lately. And I just feel like, you know, watch commanders and anything that can ready units quickly is just strong so that's kind of my interim until i figure out the new meta um attack people and you know force them to just lose on and play awkward situations you know the whole comment you made there about readying people being a strong effect um i think that there's been a lot of general angst on the uh facebookatorium and the discordatorium about uh hawk tattoo like all l5r players putting their arms up saying my god it's the end of the Voltron meta this card's you can't interact with it it's stupid it doesn't you know it breaks the rules blah 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 and you know I think we saw it Gen Con which we'll talk about in a second that um definitely definitely there was at least one or two players that decided it was worth a inclusion in their decks um I think like readying's really strong right like it's a good way of playing around it yeah yeah I I think no go ahead mate I was just saying, with like Magistrate Station and a few of these Shatomi encampment, a few of these other like provinces uh, and, and heroic resolve attachments, there's a lot of other reading effects now. And I think that the reason why Hawk Tattoo can be so punishing because it means your tooled up dude, your like Borderlands defender with a watch commander and a bunch of other bollocks on him, like gets one conflict. But if you've got standing effects. You know, you don't have to rely around hopefully drawing your favorable gu- uh, favorable grounds. You can you can still have like a contingency plan. Yeah, 
Well, if you think about it, if you think about the game, it's kind of, it's all about economy, right? Like this is an economic kind of game. And it's like charge. If you charge a guy in instead of paying five fate or whatever he cost, you basically pay one fate for the guy who can participate in the conflict once. Well, if you buy the guy and then spend another fate to keep him straight, you've kind of paid two for the ability to use that guy again in a conflict, right? So in the first instance, you're getting five four fate worth of value for the one that you paid, a five fate worth of value for the one that you paid. And then in the second case, you're getting the same amount because you can use them again in a conflict. So it's all. So the reason they're strong is because they're kind of like economy. Get yeah. 10 fate worth of value out of two fate. So two Hawk cuts. Tattoo, in essence, is one of the reasons why it's very strong because it has a negative economic impact upon your opponent's board. Yeah, exactly. Exactly yeah. right. In fact, when you play it, it's it's the opposite, right? When you play it, they you, they get pulled into a conflict, and potentially that value is taken off the board for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's nasty. Mm. Um, yeah, Hawk Tattoo, pretty special. Didn't they do like a thing on Facebook where they were trying to figure out how many top decks had Hawk Tattoos in them and stuff? I think it was just most of them, right? Yeah, I think, I'm pretty sure it was most of them. But That's I mean, what they were saying it, on, on Jade Throne, too like as important as core games like is it a card that's going to be run that often i thought it's tough right because it's a splash card right it basically pigeonholes you into dragon splash Mm. i've been playing i've been playing around with some crane splash out of my phoenix deck which we'll talk about later but you don't get you don't get hawk tattoo and hawk tattoo is really good yeah um i don't know yeah i think i mean Hawk Tattoo is currently meta-defining, but at the same time, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and uh, I'm going to be crucified by probably every listener and say, I don't think it's actually that bad. I mean, if you if you build your deck for it, and you know, at Gen Con, clearly people are just getting owned by Hawk Tattoo. But doesn't it, doesn't it depend I'd like on... to see the amount of stand, the amount of get-out-of-dodge type cards. Like, Will Hawk Tattoo promote more movement, for example? Will people pay more attention to movement-related actions so that when their guy gets dragged in by the Hawk Tattoo that he didn't ask for, you know, can he get back out? That kind of thing. Are there going to be ways of capitalizing on those movement? You know, are people going to actually start figuring out, okay, if a character that I have here gets dragged in, you know, I've seen their let go or something like that, um, do I have a way to play around the Hawk Tattoo? Or am I just completely screwed? If you're completely screwed nine out of ten times, maybe you need to revise your deck. Yeah. And- yeah. I, I found um favorable ground was super important at that, that restaurant game for Hawk tattoos and stuff. I played against a dragon opponent. It was really funny actually. We got into a situation where um I was attacking Feast or Famine and some and I think I've I hawk tattooed in one of his guys and we got into a situation where he was buffing my guys to try and make me break and I was buffing his guys to prevent me from breaking <laughs> and stuff like that. Oh god. Yeah, hilarious. Um okay, so I think Enzi, you got a bit of a list of um some of the top decks at Gen Con. Did you find any um patterns or was there any comments you had on just just reading through what seemed to be successful and given that there's now an extra couple packs out and some new roles should we just take everything with a bit of a grain of salt 
Yeah, I think this is the perfect time to get out there and put your creativity hat on. You know, I mean, that's one of the things that make this game makes this game super fun is all the choices and the the deck building constraints and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I mean, right now I'm looking at the the six decks that were posted on Facebook by uh, Trevor Holmes. Shout out to him. Um, and yeah, I mean, Hawk Tattoo is in four of the six decks. Um, Let Go is in four of the six decks. Um, you know, there's definitely a Dragon Splash pattern. And the decks that aren't running Dragon Splash, Crab and Crane, both have um, answers as well. The Crane's running two calling in favors, and Crab is, of course, running Karate District, which, you know, isn't quite enough. Um, and, you know, maybe that's why it's a top eight deck and not a winning deck. So, <laughs> I think, like, getting top eight in Gen Con's pretty huge achievement anyway, right? Oh, it's massive. Yeah. yeah. Huge achievement. And I thought it was yeah. pretty heartening to see Phoenix get to a top two. Like, that was pretty amazing. Yeah, I was pretty stoked. And 7-0 and on day one as well, which was wow. There was a lion good. that was 7-0 and as well, right? Yeah, that's right. That was day two, I think. Yeah, Jeez. that was crazy good. Yeah, it's it's nice to see a bit of diversity in the, the top ranks, and it's not just Crab and Scorpion and then the occasional dragon. Um, yeah. You know, you know what I thought was going to be an answer to Hawk Tattoo? Not to harp on or anything, but I thought that uh, Grasp of Earth was going to be an answer to Hawk Tattoo. It turns yeah. out, it turns out that nobody uses Hawk Tattoo to bring in their own guys. They only use it to bring in your guys, and Grasp of Earth doesn't protect your guys from being dragged <laughs> into the conflict. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that. So that card continues to just really just. <laughs> really worse doesn't it yeah it's it It wants to make sure that its claim as one of the worst cards in l5r like holds up (laughs) it's incredible uh ridiculous stupid card. it's the it's so we talk about so we talk about hawk tattoo and we are mostly egregious by hawk tattoo because of its speed it attaches and then reacts and then everything just happens and it's done and mm-hmm. Grasp of Earth is bad for the exact opposite reason. It attaches, and then your opponent just does whatever the fuck it was supposed to do. Like, if they were going to redo this, they should have made that the reverse, right? You attach Grasp of Earth, and then it does its thing. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Or it should have just been, yeah, it's just like a passive effect. or you know, Just always on. Yeah. It's just so, yeah, too... If they're going to errata anything, it should be Grasp of Earth, right? Yeah. <laughs> that needs a Well, yeah, and... Better. It needs to be. It needs to protect my guys from being dragged in by hawk tattoo. Mm-hmm. Although that's probably that's probably against its design, really. Yeah. Well, was hawk tattoo designed for aggressively tattooing other people, like non-consensually? Mate. Well, I don't, I don't as even old, know. As an old fan of Hitomi, yeah. I think that it was. You know, <laughs> there's nothing better than strapping people down and having Kokujin go to work on them. That's right. So, in the spirit of um, just wrapping up this this little bit so dragon anil um aka mine's desire took out Jencon. um i think that was good like copy of test was a, a deck that's played um <laughs> jigaku tournaments um all over and it's nice to see that you know as the season's wrapped up one of the uh bigger names in the game took it down um and it does show that this game's definitely got a very high skill cap and it's not um you know you because you see the same sort of group players rise to the top. Um, but one of the things that was heartening 
with the lion and the phoenix starting to make a showing that it's not the same decks over and over and over again so it means that those folk who actually just enjoy the flavor of the other clans can still be super competitive so i'm really looking forward to the next season when we start to see some uh you know more diversity in the meta uh yeah if you yeah. if you look at the bracket everybody's in there right like you used to see brackets where it was like 50 percent scorpion 20 percent crab and then a couple of others whereas in this bracket you've got everybody except unicorn which is a bit of a shame maybe they'll maybe they'll get sort of up there when their stronghold comes in yeah for sure so lots of crane uh in there as well so and i think we'll talk about in a moment the rise of the crane i think we'll be seeing a lot more of them but so toshi rambo season wrapped up and scorpion won which is great i think that uh they're my one of my favorite well they're my favorite faction so i think it was important that they won um and we've actually they've claimed toshi rambo you've got the province um and it got you know you can look on the ffg website and instead of having a neutral background it's now got that lovely scorpion background um but the cool thing was there was a fiction that came out like i think yesterday at the time of uh recording uh, i don't know did you guys get a chance to read it the stalking tiger like like i never read the fiction right yeah. but this one yeah. this one i read and i i spent my entire lunch break reading it, it was great yeah so look we think you should all go out and read it, but I do want to talk about it. So I think I've given you enough time now to go and stop the podcast, read it and come back. Um, but if you're in the car or you're like, you know, listening to this as you're like, you know, on a train or something, um, you could look at it on your phone, I guess, but bad luck. We're going to spoil it. So it's really, really cool. And it reminds me of some of the, like the same, some of my favorite themes of the old game. You can start to feel the same, that same storytelling like the love of these characters. It's like a really cool scene. So it's like a two-hander with Okoto Tuturi and uh, and he's like watching this dude like doing a shitty carter like uh, near a pond and it turns out it's the emperor. And so the whole, um, you know, the whole fiction is Tuturi and Emperor Hante the 38th. And I think that's the first time we've officially... It's the first, the first time they've named him, yeah. Yeah. They've actually named the Emperor. Um, and it's just those two just talking about and you're starting to see some of the ways that, you know, you can say this sort of stuff, but you're not allowed to say this sort of stuff to so some of the politics and a back and forth. But you can see, um, you know, the Emperor's wanting to and he's starting to tell Taturi's plans and, and, and Taturi's getting more and more nervous. And as, as Taturi figures out what he's actually doing... It's, it's just the interplay between those two characters. I thought it built a lot of tension and then it was a really big reveal. Like, did you, did you like the way the, the sort of conversation flowed? Yeah, I thought it was really good. You know what it kind of reminded me of? And I know L5R is kind of the OG for this, well, whatever. <laughs> L5R uh, has some really good fiction. But this felt very uh, intriguy, very Game of Thronesy, that yeah, kind of thing. Absolutely. I was gonna say I was gonna say L five R was like the OG Game of Thrones, but actually like reality was the OG Game of Thrones, you know? But it felt very politically intriguey, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you know, the idea that, you know, Taturi the start of the fi- the fiction starts off with, you know, essentially Hante's son kind of flipping so the Emperor's son kind of flipping the bird at Taturi. And, you know, mm. and Tatiri has not much respect for him, but has to because he's the Emperor's son. 
and yep. you know the firstborn and so you know he's talking to the emperor and the emperor is asking him questions what do you think about him you know satori he's like you know what do you reckon and Taturi's being very careful to like not offend the emperor to make sure that he preserves his honor that eventually hante is like yeah my son sucks he's not going to be a good emperor <laughs> I'm getting really, really old, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and so you know names. He's like little bro, like the second son as the new emperor, and makes Taturi write it on a blank scroll. And I thought it was just amazing where he's like, you know, Taturi. Like halfway through the conversation, Taturi's like, yes, you know, this is kind of like it offends tradition, but I'm glad we're not going to have this little dick on the throne. And then like. Hante throws another like grenade and he's like oh yeah by the way Shouju is going to be his regent and he's going to guide yeah. my second son <laughs> yeah and, and his blood's boiling yeah and Hante the 38th is going to abdicate right which basically means yeah. Shouju's in charge of the empire if Shouju's you remember in charge of the emperor yeah if you remember back to um I, I think it was the scorpion story the scorpion story might be the only other story I've read actually um <laughs> And it was really good as well. It was like Shoju and Kachiko walking through a, a garden or something like that. And they were talking about power machinations and things like this. And I couldn't, I couldn't help but remember um, ha, uh, Kachiko was like counseling uh, this kind of, you know, maintain power from, but from behind the scenes kind of thing. And then there's this story and it seems like it's kind of come to fruition. Yeah. And you know what else? You know what else? In this story... They talk about the Emperor's physicality and Tori notices that the Emperor's eyes are kind of milky and things like this. And I'm like, ah, well, he's either old and infirm, right? Which yeah. is reasonable. But maybe he's not. Maybe he's a little bit poisoned. You know? yeah. Maybe that tea that comes from the, the rare dragon lands isn't quite as authentic <laughs> as all of that. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Maybe he's got it... hit with Cloud the Mind. Mm. <laughs> Drugs. The Emperor's text box is blank. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. It's so, brilliant. Yeah. And it was, although, what's really interesting, really interesting is if you think about Shouju as the regent, right? That actually is a position that, in general, I wouldn't think that a sneaky sort of clan that, that gets most of its power through subterfuge would really want because you're exposed, right? Like Shoju's going to be very visible in the Emperor. He's he's not like holed up in you know his castle and you know just giving instructions to to Aramoro and all these other cronies, right? Like you know. The well, it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder who who whispered in the Emperor's ear to put Shoju in that position. Was yeah. it perhaps Kachiko? Perhaps. Yeah. Maybe well, it was Aramoro. I, I don't know. I have a thought. I think I think that. If we maybe there is no conspiracy, it just makes you think there's a conspiracy, right? And actually, the emperor is more savvy than you think, and he realizes that if he's going to do something unprecedented, like abdicate and put a second son in charge of the empire, that that second son is going to need the underhand more than any of the other um, clans, for example, to keep himself safe, because obviously any clan that wants to try to take a bid for power usually the scorpion right would then try to go after that eldest son and say he's the rightful heir and use him as a puppet 
So by putting the most devious clan as the regent for the heir that you've now named, you remove that. It's a bit of a detractor for the other clans as well, right? Like, if you want to try and manipulate, you know, this young emperor, really, you're actually now having to come up against Shouju and Kachiko and Aramora. It's pretty, pretty tough. So, so here's, here's the thing that I really like about the way the way that they write this some of this stuff, is that, um, so you mentioned that the underhand of the emperor, the scorpion of the underhand of the emperor, and... Um, if you think about all the really good villains in history, right? Or not in history, but like in fiction, all the really good villains, all of them think that they're doing the right thing, right? They're the ones that think that they're uh, right and just and all this type of thing. And they do all this horrible stuff. That's kind of the Scorpion, I think, to a T. They are the quintessential villains of the story. But they they do things. Like, there's no doubt that Shoju thinks that he's doing the best thing for the empire and things like that yeah yeah yeah, absolutely i absolutely agree with that and i think what was also cool was they make sure they mention a few other little bits and pieces in there they managed to like yes there's the story you're reading on the page but then there's references to things that are else that they're starting to like plant some seeds and they're talking about how like isla mm, katie yeah. you know taturi's yes. wife is you know having trouble you know discerning a few you know trying to like pick up people's preferences you know and and you know there's challenges and is it the is it that you know you know is it you owner or something that he couldn't that she couldn't pick up the presents but there's kind of referenced no, uh, events i've seen who was it uh uagina i think it was uagina you um, would something yeah hmm. it wasn't it wasn't you owner no okay but yeah, it's, I like the references to sort of other stuff that's going on off screen. Yeah. It's fine. Very cool. Yeah. So, that all the has... People that, all yeah. the people that um, had stopped listening to the podcast can come back now, right? <laughs> we stopped talking about the thing. I don't, I, don't know how, I don't know how we bring them back in. They've all stopped. They've all tuned out. What the fuck? <laughs> you guys are supposed to talk about strategy. <laughs> It's clearly the answer is hawk tattoo, guys. <laughs> oh yeah, just put some three hawk tattoos, you'd be fine. Um, yeah, see, yeah, Tagashi, Tagashi Yukuni's—he's the one behind it all. He's like slapped a hawk tattoo on Shoju, pulled him into the political conflict. That's right. That's exactly what's happened. <laughs> so, so what I thought—that's a really cool way to wrap up. You know, the first major Code season, first major arc of um, you know L five R. So it's setting up now to look at, you know, a, a brave new world. And uh, with that, out of Gen Con, Toshi Rambo got a, got a, a color. And, mm. and, you know, we got the story. And now we've also got some new roles. Has anyone got that list of new roles in front of them? I've, I've got it in front of me. Yeah. So just before you go through what they are, I just wanted to comment on... I thought it was so cool that, like, FFG just got down to it. Like they just put it out. Yeah, it was only a few yeah, days, it, like a couple of days. Yeah, they didn't wait around, and that sort of responsiveness is so cool. And it's you know you can see that they've probably taken to heart you know the challenges and communications they had because that lull was you know it was no good when they just weren't talking to us, but now they just really are. So I guess I guess if they can keep this up, 
when they don't have another two months of saying absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's great, but who knows? So, new roles, very exciting. What do we got, Enzi? All right. Um, I'll just read the new role. I hope yep. people know what their original role is. So, Crab have Seek Reverse. Yeah. So, meet the new role, same as the old role. <laughs> I like the new role better than their old role. Oh, well, that's interesting. We'll have to discuss that at length in a moment. Um, Crane have Keeper of Air. So, similar story there. Um, Dragon get Keeper of Void. Uh, Lion get Seeker of Void. Phoenix get Seeker of Air. Scorpion get Keeper of Earth. And Unicorn get Keeper of Fire. Right. So, let's start from the top. Uh, Actually, your... yeah, what? Just just before you do, who do you guys think is most happy about their role? Their most new happy. Role? Most uh, happy. Bert. What clan was just like Bert. salivating for it? Probably Phoenix. Phoenix? Unicorn obviously pretty happy, but just give Unicorn even a small little scrap. You know, they've been starving for so long. <laughs> and I mean, they obviously got an amazing role. I don't know. What is do you it? reckon? Uh, I reckon, I don't know, I reckon Lion. I mean, you know, in a vacuum, everyone says Seeker of Void is the best role. Um, you know, and our good friend Toriadori, he is probably one of the most vocal proponents of that line of thinking. So, Lion getting Seeker of Void, if he can't do anything, if he can't do something with Lion now, I mean, who can? <laughs> I, think, I think if you ask him, they're still trash tier. It's hopeless. There's a Lion. I can't do anything. 7 0 well, Gen Con was total ass. <laughs> And I will Arkham. ask him because Arkham. I get off on hearing this saltiness. <laughs> right. And what did you think, Melon? Salt for breakfast. Uh, I reckon Scorpion. I reckon Scorpion are the, the most happy because there was this huge, huge after Gen Con, uh, not Gen Con, after Worlds when they went Seeker when they very well could have had a Keeper. So yeah. now we now people that are all going, no, we need a Keeper all for this like Dishonor, you know, bollocks. Uh, now get to put their their chips on the table and go no, no no this is the best deck it's true they can give it give it a good old shot that's true the whinge factor has been removed oh but i mean they're whinging now i'm sure that they didn't get seeker of air so they could do disgusting stuff with mark of shame and soul beyond reproach but hey well that's true i mean whinge has got a whinge right <laughs> can All you right. imagine keeper of air would be crazy okay. so speaking of whinges crab Notoriously, that player base are you know the biggest winches. Um, what do you reckon, Enzi? Seeker of Earth, shots fired. Uh, well, clearly they're also one of the most misguided player bases. Um, <laughs> and, and look, I, I play a lot of crabs, and I would not have picked this. So I think you know maybe it's it's a testing thing. Maybe they're like, you know what, we love sabotage so much, we want to be able to play it out of keeper and seeker sabotage all the time. You know. Um, prevent, you know, prevent other people from taking uh, an Earth role. So only Scorpion get it. So Crab and Scorpion can remain the only top tier clans that can blow up holdings. I'm not really sure. Um, I mean, Secret of Earth isn't too bad if you're going tall Crab unit. Um, but in Hawk Tattoo meta, you know, is a wider board better in a, um, you know, two attacks for line unicorn is a wider board better you know secret of earth kind of gets that one-off 
shutdown of a wide board attack because it bows everyone. But, you know, some of Crab's new cards are kind of pushing a wider board. So if they're going to go Seeker, does it make a lot of sense? It's really hard to say. Can we see a, like a Cooney laboratory, you know, just lots of Onolos, Matsuted, like, uh, was it STD? Like, is that a deck that could potentially work? Or is it just like a really, really quick way to lose? Man, I mean, STDs, high risk. It's just got that whole theme all over it. Yeah. Can, can you see... So what can you see, like, out of Crab, using Seeker of Earth, what can you see is... Can you see any new archetypes? Like, what does that bring to the table? Is Pathfinder a card? I think... Well, Pathfinder is a card. That's something that is factual. <laughs> that is undisputed. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's also a restricted card. We have proof. Right? This is what I'm saying. Like, is it usable? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that a secret of a Pathfinder's deck and, like, you just, I don't know, I think you'd need Pathfinders and Iron Mine in the same deck. I just think that that's just the way that it's got to be. Um at the moment you can't have it so if the restricted list gets revised sure but at the same time i can't see the restricted list getting revised because of the dragon factor which maybe we can talk about the dragon part um i mean maybe crab can go consumed by five fires you know that's the new hotness um yeah i reckon they could do that yeah and oh you know what you could do which would be pretty cool this is oh i have to build this now you can put Seal of the Crab on opponent's characters, and then you can, like, kill them off, all canyons. <laughs> I don't know, and try to Yasuki Taka them. Anyway, the work can progress. <laughs> <laughs> Does Yasuki Taka work on just all crab characters or something? It's all crab characters when they leave play. Yeah. Yeah, so consume <laughs> them. Like, yeah. Mm, I feel like that's a reach. It's a stretch. It's, it's a reach, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at first I was like, oh, fate comes off of them, does he trigger? Because that would be cool. Um, but no, that doesn't work at all. So you're trading a card for a fate? Would you seek yeah, look, it doesn't. it doesn't work at all. Um, <laughs> you're yeah, backing so off. You're backing Merlin, off. <laughs> yeah. So Merlin, what do you think, Seeker River? You said that you thought that it was a super strong pick. Uh, no, I said I said I like their new role better than their old role, which is really just me oh. quoting a regurgitator song. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I don't I don't actually think Crab have much new stuff out of Seeker of Earth. Um, I, uh, Pathfinder's Blade is a really aggressive card, so you want to be out there and attacking and pushing and stuff like that. And you're right that if they're out there doing that and they don't have uh, Iron Mines, that kind of makes it um, just a little bit. I feel like Crab's real strength is to to keep that board around, the board persistence, in the same way that that's the strength of the dragon at the moment. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, I am hearing rumors like of this this kind of weenie Shigenja kind of uh, deck for Crab that that seems to want to bid low a lot of the time and play all these cards that lose the mana. Um, and maybe if there's like a Maybe if they can still keep their board around when playing that deck, uh, they could play Consumed by Five Fires to kind of knock out their opponent's board and and really destabilize their opponent's economy. But I don't really see that being a thing, mostly because of the five costs. And I don't think I don't think Crab, if they're buying a bunch of weenies, are really saving all that much money. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I don't really see the new role 
being a thing. Do you All think? Right. I mean, I'm I'm on Imperial Advisor right now. Shout out to them because their rollout cards page, where they've broken it down by seeker of X, keeper of X, um, is really helpful. I'm looking at the seeker of Earth ones right now, and is there some kind of deck that runs both specialized defenses and discourage pursuit? Discourage so pursuit? I'll, Are you serious? Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm just spitballing, right? <laughs> Like a real like keep your can hands jump, off my promises. Can we, can we jump onto Five Rings DB and see how many crab shinobi there are? Just real quick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can you can run like you can get shadows. Oh, yeah, 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 you can get conflict shinobi. I'm not saying you Me- can't. Meek informs adaptive shadows and um like Meek informs a boss. Meek informs not a shinobi. Yeah. Hell yeah, he is. Yeah, he can really he? He's no, a I peasant gotta, shinobi. I got it. Have a look. No way. Is it? Yeah, Peasant Shinobi, uh, baby. You're typing that oh shit. Oh my in. god, it's a sh- Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> wait, wait, awesome. wait, wait. Didn't. Oh, bloody um, Scorpion just got Keeper of Earth, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. We'll, oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> Bit right, is let's... hitting the fan. All right. Uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Uh, let's move on to Crane. I feel like with Crane getting Keeper of Air, they just got an enabler for an extra fate worse than death i guess like i feel like if you're playing keeper of air and crane you're really super super duper encouraged if you're not already encouraged with seeker of air to you know run mark of shame like splash scope is there anything you guys can think that this keeper of air will do different apart from allow you to have a different flavor of um crane dishonor well, Crane. Well, as as we saw at one of Merlin's, um, you know, funzy pick any role you want tournaments, Keeper of Air is actually really strong with the Seeker of Knowledge. So Crane will now be able to trigger Keeper Initiate off any attack as long as they drop her in play. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's pretty okay. good and aggressive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. Seeker of Knowledge. On the def, oh no, on the attack, and then any, the yeah. yeah, so any any win will get you your keepers. Yeah, that's true. There you go. Yeah, other cards that are really interesting out of that is disdainful remark. You know, um, yep. Typically, players have lots of cards in their hands, and so disdainful remark can hit for a lot. To be honest, Marwin used to do that, like, um, and would give like plus eight strength and stuff. It's huge. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they can run harmonize, right? If you're running they, Seeker of Knowledge, you can also run harmonize. Yeah. I don't Pretty know if that's good. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess in Look. potentially defensive Dishonor Crane. Is that a it thing? Could be, it could maybe be, end up being better in Crane. Like if you're splashing Phoenix, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. than it was in Phoenix. I mean, the fact that harmonize isn't a spell just makes it hard to... Um, gel with the rest of your conflict deck in phoenix yeah it is a it is a tiny bit of a problem but it is still a good card like like if you can if you can so you you might have to face that character again but you're going to be facing the character on the opponent's side of the board which is a much safer place to be fighting a conflict rather than fighting a conflict on your side of the board Yeah. yeah okay all right this sounds like another nc based one Keeper of the Void for Dragon. Are you excited? <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. I think that it's just going to be amazing. 
Um, I think for monk decks, just in general, whether you're playing some kind of janky filth that I've constructed or not, I think that um, having access to Keeper Initiate in monk decks, they got the Keeper role at the right time. So yep. I think that that's really fun for them. Um, I was looking at the, what is it even called? Northern, the, uh, Northern Sensei? Wall Sensei. <laughs> um, look, that's something that will require some testing. It's a fairly strong ability, um, but you still need to trigger it. So it's really good on the defense. It's not as hack, um, but, you know, it'll potentially, you know, protect your big character, um, you know, that your, your, your big tower, that you're, you've put all your eggs in that basket. So, yeah, could be it did create did create work for the Ring Techie, which is the Jigoku um, open source software guys, the guys who work on developing Jigoku. Uh, it, di it did require them to do a little bit of rework. There's all these cards that were just literally never played, and now because of the new roles, some of them becoming playable, and, you know, it's, a few bugs are being discovered, <laughs> and I think Northern Wall Sensei might be one of them, you know. Um, <laughs> It's the first I time it's ever been legal to play, right? So. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. I had to look up what the card did when you guys mentioned it. I'm like, Northern, there's no such dragon card. <laughs> first I learned, first I learned that fucking Meek Informant has a, is a Shinobi, and then there's this yeah, thing. Meek Informant. It's amazing what opening the rolls kind of can do, right? <laughs> um, yeah. I think other void cards of note or keeper cards for dragon. I think the first time that I see someone get talismaned into a restoration, I'm going Ugh. to laugh hysterically. <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be unless it's tough. me, and then I'm going to cry. Um, but I think talisman into restoration, and then Yuruma to flip the restoration back down. I think that's pretty fun um, for the dragon player. Um, yeah, Drogen's curse is good, um, and I looked at it last night, but the Awakened Tsukunogami is probably not that great in Dragon. So, yeah, I really wanted to make it work, and I was like, oh, I don't think there's enough cards that you play in Dragon that have a trait that match an element on a ring. Yeah. Um, That's a dumb card. Yeah. Okay. So I'm really, really keen to Jurgens with Being and Becoming. I really, really... really... <laughs> That would really be really want to. Oh, there's one other thing that I'm going to test for Dragon is because um, you know how I was building that Dragon Dishonor deck that uses Right Sugu and Policy Debate, so I get more duels and I can play Contingency Plans to lower my bids, um, so I can play Dishonor them out. Now that you have access to Backhanded, I wonder if you can go for a Dishonor Bomb on a Dragon. So mm. that's my other thing. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess if you've got a contingency plan like Ratsugu's ability beyond being really good says opponent loses an honor. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, cool. Alright, so Lion. So Lion got Seeker of Void. Uh, so speaking of Toradori, and he had a crazy idea with this. He says, <laughs> and it may not be reliable, but it is a hilarious combo. So, so low bid Lion, so you always got like a chunk of honor, right? And you play Steadfast Samurai, who as long as you got five or more honor than the opponent, stays around. Um, and you chuck Jurijin's Curse on him. 
and you just keep him untapped. <laughs> so it's just an additional fate phase every single turn. Dude, that's yep. really, really hot. Yeah. <laughs> just like yep. continual board wipes. It's a thing that can happen. <laughs> um, Jurgen's Curse, is that unique? No. no. So you could have three steadfast. Is, is max one per round, though? So max. Oh, I think yeah, the, the interrupt is, is max one per round. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think so, it's total yeah. of two, that's it. It's not limit, it's max. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's fair. Okay. So. Lion, Seeker Avoid, uh, Joey uh, and, and myself, Joey's another local Melbourne player. There was a tournament that Merlin ran, which is an uh, alternate roles tournament, and we both bought Seeker of Fire. <laughs> what is Seeker Roll oh, with yeah. Lion? Yeah, yeah. That was really good. That was really yeah. good. Yeah, so using Time of War to recycle Pathfinder's Blades, that was super great. But I guess it was pre-restricted list. So we were running, you know, charge pathfinders for greater glory. All of the cards. Um, so all I don't know how. F- yeah, yeah. So I think the restricted list probably poo pooed that deck. But I don't know. Um, I'm not sure where to go with lion. I think there's with seeker avoid at least. I think keeper of fire will remain great. I think HMT just gets stronger with every um, set of cards that get released. So I'm really looking forward to see where we go with that. Uh, seeker avoid. I haven't nutted it out yet. Um, any of you guys had any thoughts on where we can go with that particular role for Lion? Well, I think the Jerogen's Curse and maybe even with Consumed is a cool direction. And I is mean, that is that going to be an MP, honor deck? Which is always good. Well, it could be the honor deck. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, you can... you're, you're effectively stalling out. Well, you're not stalling the game. You're accelerating the game in terms of number of turns. Yeah. Right. Um, if you can get enough venerable historians, you can just keep pumping guys out, get them honored in the turn, and let them leave play. Right? Um, yeah, it could be interesting. And with that new, um, what's it called? Raging Battleground. Uh, it's a happens to be a void province. Uh, if you've got the Jurgens thing going, is it means there's more likely there's going to be dudes with no fate on the table, and Raging Battleground can can get rid of them so you might I mean that card people are knocking it but I mean in that particular deck it might be effective right what what does it do uh, so it's a lion province strength 4 reaction after this province is revealed choose a non-unique character with no fate on it discard that character it could be interesting yeah I'm not saying it's super powerful but like potentially in a deck where you're removing a lot of fate like you're reducing the economy, that's you know another tool. Yeah, um, you, yeah. you know what I have noticed though, because I play with Yorona a lot, is that yeah. the targets these days for like unique versus non-unique, there are more unique characters that are around, and I find myself very, um, what is it? You know, what's the opposite of spoiled for choice? You know, <laughs> yeah, starved. whatever that is, starved, right? They starve for opportunities to use those kinds of... Yeah. Okay. So, all right, Phoenix, we'll, we'll knock one of the listener kid, uh, listener questions on the head now. Um, Clinton Hay, noted Phoenix aficionado over in West Australia, asks, 
Phoenix, seeker of air. Why? What direction are we aiming for? What? Well, <laughs> All right. What do you think of Merlin? Is this is this the end, or is Seeker of Air no. absolutely yeah. amazing? No, no, no it's, it's, it's amazing. It's you can take you can take the really strong deck that we already have, and then you can just turn it into a Seeker, and it becomes even better, right? So. You kick out all your keepers. You lose a little bit of influence, but most of the core of the deck is still there. You get a lot more economy, so you can use... Like, if you're playing Cute Nasawa, that deck is really, really uh, hungry for fates, right? You want to play your one-cost events, which are amazing, again and again and again and again. And, um, yeah, you just uh, you can just do that more out of Secret of Air. So I think you can do that. But I think that there is a lot of opportunity to do things... Out of Phoenix decks, is this the right time to talk about this stuff? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, There's a lot yeah, more yeah, opportunities yeah. to do stuff out of Phoenix decks than there has been that have just been more difficult in the past. So things like Azunami seems really good. Phoenix are wanting to do the Ring of Water a whole lot, which is great. Um, but in Keeper, if you wanted to kind of cheat, you wanted to cheat the Ring of Water using like Guardian Kamis or Display of Powers or whatever, you had to wait for your opponent to present that opportunity for you. Whereas now you can just go, well, I'm going to go for the Ring of Water and then I'm going to play my Seeker Kami and then I'm going to I'm going to hit it and then I'm going to bow the, uh, the guy that he left home to defend and straighten the guy that I just spent defending in the last conflict. And you just kind of get you get more ahead. Um, wow. wow. You, if you are playing as Yunami, there's an opportunity to use that new... Like, yes, okay, you can Seeker Kami. You could also use that Shigenja Jewel. And I'm I'm actually in the camp that says that Shigenja Jewel, you can spend a couple of fates to guarantee the win of that jewel to get a ring effect because the ring effects are amazing, you know, especially if it happens to be the ring of water. There's a lot of opportunity for uh, Phoenix now to attack multiple multiple rings and kind of get multiple ring effects off if they if they're a little bit smart about it. My um, so, yes, yeah. So, so my. First thing I thought of when I saw Seeker of Air for Phoenix, I'm like, oh my god, Serene Warrior, Soul Beyond Reproach. Yes. They're yes. made in heaven. Made in heaven. Yes. That is my that is my current deck. <laughs> it's like <laughs> uh it's uh three three Soul Beyond Reproach and two uh Wait, two no well I thought about Nobsack, but I actually went for uh what's the bow one? Admit defeat. Oh admit defeat. Yeah. yeah, but you can, you can, you can, that's a toolbox kind of slot. You can put whatever you like in there. But Soul Beyond Reproach, Sukune goes back into a Shigenja deck because you're not really worried about her getting dishonored and then she's a potato forever. You can actually huge. bring her back, right? And yeah. Serene Aria, you just bring it back. And you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, I was, I was pondering, is it possible to make a deck with no attachments in it and kind of use honor tokens like pseudo attachments, you know? Um, and I'm not sure if it is yet because as soon as I went and built that deck, the first thing I did was put in like three katanas and three fans and all that stuff. Yeah. And yeah, three cloud yeah. the mines. Uh, but maybe, maybe that's a thing you could do. So, Serene so Warrior, three cost, four, uh, sorry, becomes seven, three, six. Two. Yeah. If four, I wanted, seven, six. And then, yeah, and then you've got all that stuff about oh, nine, eight. Uh, you don't, if your box. <laughs> if you use your box well if you're using old box yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I am I think if I was using old box I would put in Horty Magistrate and stuff and then Horty Magistrate just bounces up to 
oh, three glory God. off the box. Then it gets honored, and nobody else can contribute. It's yeah, it's pretty horrible. I love it. Um, Absolutely love it. Does that shitty yeah. little attachment that gives um, plus one glory become usable, <laughs> or is that am I am I getting a bit too excited? No, 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 no it does not. <laughs> 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 There you go. So I think I think Mr. Clinton Hay, there's awesome stuff to do to try out. And Serene Warriors, Soul Beyond Reproach, the old deck, just with, you know, new clothes, Phoenix, I guess. <laughs> yeah, more Phoenix have already got sorry, Phoenix have already got a lot of opportunity in their their deck building anyway, right? Like there's this Dishonor style Phoenix with all the courtiers and things. You can do that out of the Seeker of uh, Seeker of Air as well. You can throw down Mark of Shames on people and really, really annoy your Phoenix opponents. Yeah. So, moving on to Keeper of Earth that Scorpion picked up. Um, I know there's probably some hardcore Scorpion nerds who were thinking that you know Seeker of Air would have been optimal for us, and it probably maybe you would have. You know, I think Seeker of Air would have been great to get access to Mark of Shame. Um, phenomenal. However. For the like health of the game and variety, Keeper of Earth was definitely a great pick, right? Being able to oh, actually... And, yeah, and I think being able to use, um, especially with the Scorpion pack just around the corner, I feel like once that pack's out, if not already, like, you know, we've got a, a viable alternative, you know? Yeah, th- it gives you access. it gives you access to that Shinobi card that I was dissing before. Yeah, <laughs> discourage shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and one of the things one of the things that really kills scorpion is if you get kanjo locked right yeah like that's just a pain in the butt so you can just get rid of it now you're fine yeah, you're golden sabotage it's great and there's actually two sort of distinct decks that kind of come out of it there's going to be whether it's now or with the scorpion pack there's obviously a more conquest focused um you know shinobi style aramoro kill deck uh, which is going to be great because a very different style. Um, and then, you know, you do have access to backhanded compliment now and potentially disdainful remark. So it might be a really good option for defensive dishonor. I mean, the challenge with defensive dishonor is you do need to make sure you can close within time. That's like a skill. And, you know, I think that something you need to consider before you bring bring it to a big tournament but maybe there's enough gas now to um do some truly awful things um any other thoughts on that yeah is crane is uh crane splash potentially viable oh yeah you know, just, like disdainful remark and knob sacks and um that big dash three covert political rival yeah political yeah. rival also like you know, you can run um, Soul Beyond Reproaches and three um, knob sacks to really make sure your knob sack works. You know, um, triple knob sack is a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's quite possible. Uh, okay. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Scorpion actually come up with out of this keeper role. Like, there's a lot of really smart players in that player base, and I, for one, can't wait to come up against their pro dishonor control yeah. you know all the bad things deck yeah i think it's going to be i think there's going to be some real abominations real nightmares that will be built. <laughs> um okay so now the clan unicorn who got access to icon of favor right was there anything else they got access to 
Unicorn got Keeper of Fire. Uh, I'm going to let Enzi take this one on. i got a bit to say, but uh, Enzi's the, the man of gank, so... <laughs> um, well, look, I've, I'm a big fan of Adopted Kin, unlike 99.9% of the player base. <laughs> so I just wonder if there's anything cool there. You know, Unicorn run a lot of attachments. Um, you know, Dragon Splash isn't a bad thing, as we've seen in and of itself. Um, so, you know... If your characters are going away and you've got all these Mishoto spells attached to them, does Adopted Kin give you a bit more gas in the tank? Maybe it does, right? I think it's a testing will tell type situation. Um, I think Unleash the Jin is cool. Um, you know, losing 300 is a serious cost. And it hits all of your characters and all of their characters, from my understanding. That's the skill both skills of each participating character to three until the end of the conflict. That um, loss is real. Mm, Pardon? Yeah. At least the gin, you lose three honor for that effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the honor loss is real. But yeah. <clears throat> it works in political and, mil- like, it adds political and military skill. So that's, you know, that's pretty special. Yeah. I really and- like. I really like the fact that we've got, like, these unicorn characters kind of riding into battle and they're like, all right, we're going to like overcome the enemy. And this like one guy gets like this, this uh, amulet or something and breaks it open. This giant gin fucking flies out of it at the enemy. This other one, you know, they're fighting in the desert or something. This other one cracks open a, a staff or something. And then these water charging things, you know, the flood of the river or whatever it is. Just all they're really cool. Like artifacts, I like that. I like that theme. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I think in general, Yukon did really well. Like feast of famine, obviously amazing. Um, great to be able to use talisman to move people into feast of famine. So their row is a lot more deadly now, which is absolutely great. Um. So and now with the rest of the new stronghold and you know Shatomi encampment, I feel like they're going to be a contender now, right? Like, time will tell over the next, um, you know, probably two or three weeks, we'll start to see, you know, some sort of meta emerge. I think we're in that really fun discovery phase at the moment where we all think we know how to play and we're all trying new stuff and then we realize what we're doing is terrible and we just need to go back to playing Dragon with Crab Splash. But at the moment, we're still in this exciting new world. So it should be a lot of fun over the next few weeks. Um, so what's the one deck you're most excited about? And then we'll move on to listener questions. Like Enzi, what are you super excited about building? Uh, I think, I think the, the unicorn, I haven't really given them much of a pass. I think keeper of fire. I mean, I even wonder if you could do some kind of honor deck with the icon of favor because it's fire. Um, librarians, who's to say? But the dragon deck right now, for me, the one I described earlier, that's, that's where it's at. I'm really looking forward to seeing you running the Imperial Librarian. I'm back, by the way. Dude, cool. the, uh, there's, I've always found, in old 5R at least, that the random kind of janky, unaligned Imperial courtiers, like, <laughs> they just always end up being good in like one deck. You just have to find that deck. Automo douchebag, just like finally has his day in the sun <laughs> um cool all right 
Merlin, we're just saying, like, what's the one deck you're just super excited to build? You mean besides Phoenix? Oh, I mean, just like with the new role. Well, even within Phoenix, what's the... Is it the Serene Warrior deck? Like, what what are you excited about? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited to run that. I'm also pretty excited to uh, try out some interesting things with, like, uh, Unicorn and... Uh, and things like that out of Phoenix. I yeah. actually want I actually want to build the unicorn deck as well. I really like I really like the theme of the unicorn these days. So to me the monster deck that I'm quite excited about experimenting with is I think Crane are now gonna I mean they did obviously did alright at Gen Con quite a few in the top sixteen, but now with that like just foul magistrate station that's come out that lets them straighten an on on character like wherever and, you know, Mark Shame, Soul Beyond Reproach, just super excited to see what they can do. I feel like there's, you know, some violent, strong, um, potentially MPE possibility there. And I'm really looking forward to exploiting the misery of my opponents with that. Man, um, making your opponents cry yeah. with the table. Oh, <laughs> it's just, I love the uninteractive nature of Mark of Shame. It's just a brilliant card. <laughs> Right. Um, so we had a few other questions. We just got a couple minutes. Um, so Edwin Pierce, he's uh, he writes in, first time listener. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, will people be more upset by the fact that Scorpion got the Toshi Rando province, or that it's going straight to the binder? Okay, so Toshi Rambo, it's uh, the new province that any dude that comes out of there gets an additional fate. My problem, my uh, problem with that card is that, like, first of all, they have to flip it. It's got to be revealed before it could do anything, right? And then when it does get revealed, um, you then have to successfully defend it. Then, if you've successfully defended it, you have to flip a dude. So hopefully your Hidden Moon Dojo or Storehouse or something else isn't on top of it. So it's a bit of an irritating province. So at this stage, I'm not... I'm probably... Yeah, you know, I've got to help out. Um, you know, I've got to feel like it's just not super playable. Um, cool. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on Toshi Rambo, <laughs> Merlin? Um, look, I think, it's, I, think it's a, I think it's an okay card. I think it'll do fine. I don't think it's going to be broken. I don't think any of that stuff. I think it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, most of the other questions um, we got more or less were answered, I think, throughout the episode. They helped us, I guess, come up with some content here. Um, there's one from uh, Ray Dent, which we could probably end on, which is, congrats to Dragon winning Gencon. I, for one, welcome our new reptilian overlords. Uh, with Worlds coming up, do you think Dragon will suffer a massive loss in strength when they lose Seeker of Fire as their role? Which clans, if any, are in a prime position to take their place in tiers if they do? What do you reckon, Merlin? Is Seeker of uh, Fire important? Are they going to lose their strength because of Seeker of Fire? Uh, no, I don't really think they do. Dragon cards are really efficient. They've got some of the best cards in the game. I think they'll be okay. Um, they probably want to keep roll because i think the crab splash is actually really good i think the strength of that clan is that the fact that they get to keep their board around which makes them really good um who's in a prime position to take their place uh, i'm excited to see what 
Scorpion do? Because I think Scorpion have just answers for everything. Um, <laughs> and you might you might actually argue that Scorpion are kind of already there, you know? Like, Dragon are definitely strong, but so are Scorpion. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for uh, hanging around. If you got this far in the podcast, it's... Um... Uh, yeah, and, and we'll probably next week, uh, we've got Toradori back and we'll be a week into testing crazy neural decks. So there'll be lots of fun to talk about. Um, quick shout out to, uh, we have uh, Dave, who's one of our other rollers. It's his mum's birthday today. Happy birthday, Dave's mum. Happy birthday, Mrs. Dave. <laughs> yeah, hope, hope you had a great day, Mrs. Dave. Um, yeah, so... We'll have a bigger cast next time, and I think we'll have a bit of a roundtable. We'll, you know, who who who's got the best deck, and let's talk about you know how the meta is shaken out a bit. I think there's going to yeah. be a lot to talk about then. Yeah, um, we'll roll we'll roll out the jank tank. We'll cast from the jank tank. <laughs> cast from, live from the jank tank. All right, cool. All right, well, thanks everybody for tuning in, and we'll uh, till next time. Uh, we've been the Hidden City Rollers, and you've been people who enjoy participating in a children's game card game.